0: Hello ladies and gents, uh friends. This is Steve you coming to you from the uh Sons of Comics podcast. I'd like to welcome you. We've got a great uh great episode for you today. Uh with me today I have got uh Gabriel Rodriguez. Uh go ahead and say hi Gabriel.
1: Hello everyone.
0: And I've also got Scott Hill with us today. Say hi Scott. How's, it-
2: uh, how's everyone doing?
0: And um we hope you're all well. Uh we like I said we've got a great show for you today. Um we're going to be talking about the uh, the Netflix series Daredevil, um, also by Marvel. And we're going to just do a full and complete review on the series. We're going to talk about uh, origins, history, likes, dislikes. We're going to go over how it fits in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, um, and a whole bunch of other uh, good stuff. So, um, but before we begin, um, I just wanted to uh, kind of go around and just... Uh, you mentioned uh, interesting tidbits from the week in terms of like breaking news and things um, I'll start off um, for one uh, the casting was made for uh, spider-man for uh, to make his debut in civil uh, in, uh, Captain America Civil War and uh, his name is Tom Holland um, honestly I, I'm not so sure I, I liked him for the casting but uh I I don't know I have to I guess I just have to trust their judgment um, and that's going to be my tidbit uh, Get real. What do you What do you got?
1: Well, just to be blunt, lame. Like <laughs> <laughs> you see the kid, you're thinking that is not Spider-Man, let alone Spider-Man material. Let's I'm face being... it. No one would
2: be better. No one would be a better Spider-Man than someone who is never ever cast. And I, of course, <laughs> I of course speak of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He should have been Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, watch Inception with him in the hallway scene, and tell me it's not true. Like that That guy. He's pretty lanky, (laughs) so. He's very like he's he's limber. He's rather. I met him one time. He showed me. No, I'm I'm lying. I'm lying there. All right, what's your
0: uh, what's your tidbit, Scott?
2: Um. Well, I mean, uh, there's also uh, getting back to the Daredevil series. Everyone's talk discussing about how, um, in addition to, uh. Punisher being cast, there is apparently it's official that he's going to be like the main adversary that Daredevil's going to be going up against. Mm. Um, Apparently, Electra and possibly uh, Bullseye will also be showing up, but uh, it's going to be Daredevil versus Punisher, and that frankly has me excited.
0: That'll be very exciting, I agree. And then Jason Statham was actually pitted to be. Uh, bullseye but uh, apparently since the information leaked that he was actually trying out for the part they decided he decided to or his agent said you know we're not doing it since you guys leaked the information he's not gonna do it so
2: yeah and, uh, that's I love Jason Statham but as bullseye I'm I don't know I bullseye should be very very ruthless and Jason Statham is just kind of too He's kind of too genteel, even when he's being ruthless. If that makes sense, like, like he there, there's um, uh, like when it comes to when it, even though he's like rough and tumble, he still uh, has a sense of decency to him, even at his most indecent. And in my opinion, Bullseye is an evil son of a bitch. Sorry, a son <laughs> of a. <person. laughs>
0: Okay, well, let's uh, let's get on with the show. Um, Scott, do you want to just give us, like, a brief 30-second history on Daredevil in the comics?
2: Um, yeah, so Daredevil is interesting just because he was – he had quite a few false starts, actually. Like, it's sort of um, – we know him as someone who's, like, kind of a more gritty, you know, street-level – sort of character and that was always like a little bit part of the story they always wanted him to be more grounded but i mean the real like and i know gritty is often like a buzzword that people hate it's like oh it's gritty Blah. but you know um that that sort of real darkness didn't start until like frank miller was drawing the character and in the 80s and everything that's when it's sort of at that point daredevil really started finding his identity Before that, though, I mean, he was really well known for actually the first few comics having a butt-ugly yellow and red costume that, if you guys have not seen it, it's a sight to behold because it's like... Yes. It is the the color of... It is like the color of a hot dog with mustard on it. It is like... It's charmingly (laughs) atrocious. Like, I think... It's so bad-looking that I kind of like it. You know what I mean? You might, <laughs> so might as well might have been dressing him
0: up in a blood-covered, blood-covered daisy.
2: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that, I think, as I recall, I think that only lasted just, like, a couple of issues. And they're like, we've got to fix this. This is a Nysaur. Nice and they gave him the classic red costume. Yeah, he's not very intimidating uh, in yellow.
1: But, but uh, <laughs> let's face it, how do yeah. you take an Oscar Mayer wiener so seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So but, uh, why, don't you, why
0: don't you tell us about his uh, powers and abilities?
2: So uh, Daredevil's powers and abilities, uh, the, the thing about Daredevil is he's he's blind. He He's a blind superhero. And uh, he, when he was... Uh, what happened is that in the comics he uh, saved a man from getting hit by a truck that had certain chemicals on it. But in the process of saving that guy, he was... Um, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, was only a child when he did this, but when he was, when this happened, he got splashed with these chemicals in his eyes, which blinded him, but heightened his senses to the point that he he has like superpowers. So he was he was kind of one of the uh, I don't know if he was the first, but he was he was one of the early prominent superheroes to have like a disability superpower, so to speak, where it's like where we're going to make them different from you know the average everyone has all their faculties and take one of those faculties away but show how that gives him strengths in other arenas
0: in a way and though that so they in a way like, though they, they they kind of, kind chalk, of chalk, it chalk it up to being um, like sonar oh. like he, he does see to a degree but it's not like like you and I see it's it's all like sonar just, and uh, he uses sound to to yeah, be able which, to see, which is also fair, a weakness as well.
2: It's less seeing and more sensing, and that's 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 one of the interesting things to compare the um, the Ben Affleck movie to this the Netflix series is that is how they handled visualizing his senses or just presenting his senses, and how with the Ben Affleck one they came they showed this sort of the sort of sonar thing like you described. And they explicitly, the makers of the Netflix series explicitly wanted to go against that. They actually wanted to, uh, their sound design is where they went to, to present the fact that he has these heightened senses. They wanted you to be able to know that he was sensing something normal people can't sense through sound, because they figured that would actually be a more accurate representation and uh, less condescending to people who are actually blind, because that... That's also a funny thing, too, is that it happens a lot where people who actually have, you know, people who actually have disabilities or differently-abled people will get, like, a hero that is like them. That's almost a That's cruel true. irony for like, for, like, people that, people are, that blind. are blind. Oh, here's, well, a, here's a comic, comic book, book about that, a blind uh, guy. guy. Do you want to yeah, read it? Oh wait, oh, wait. Sorry,
0: sorry you can't. You can't. can't. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> awful. But, um, but... At the same time, though, it's like I know that there's a lot of people who dislike – something that happens a lot is that you'll get someone who's differently abled, whether it's a blind person or someone in a wheelchair like Oracle for DC Comics. And, and it's uh, people who actually share that same disability will be very attentive and pick up on things that a lot of times the writers who don't have that disability – will make these mistakes that kind of under undercut or undervalue how that person would actually react to their disability. So there were people who actually didn't like the fact that, uh, to hear, um, Matt Murdoch's abilities be described as, as like sonar, like, Oh, he's blind, but he can still see because that has the idea that, Oh, seeing is still important. And those who can't, well, we're just going to devalue them and, and the people who made the Netflix series were tried to be very aware of that and instead tried to say no 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 we're not going to say he's blind so he can still see because that's insulting to blind people. He's blind but he has heightened senses so we're going to show it through sound. Show it. So. You and know the wording what I mean. they <laughs> used
0: was a world on fire. Like that's what they said how he sees the world it's like a world on fire. Yeah, so basically he's like seeing sense like he's seeing smells he's seeing uh, you know, shapes based on where sound yeah. is coming from. It's a it's a combination of things melded yeah. together, and that's yeah. kind of and, how they're portraying it. And which and I think is pretty good. And they one
2: glimpse of that, and they gave one glimpse of that, and then but didn't like keep coming back to it. But uh, the other thing I wanted to mention that is really interesting from Matt Murdock's origin story, and it's hilarious because um, whenever you're talking about Daredevil, you kind of have to talk about how Daredevil is unofficially the father of the Ninja Turtles.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I think we've all heard that, and I'll just run through that really quick. Um, people on the web have been talking about this. It's just a little tie-in where they say, at the same time that Daredevil um, or was being created or where Matt Murdock had the stuff splashed in his eyes, that was the chemical ooze that they talk about in Ninja Turtles. And when that stuff spilled, the ooze traveled into the sewers, which in turn created the Ninja Turtles. So on this day that Daredevil was basically born, so were the Ninja Turtles, and that's kind of the basis of that. Um, it's not really, it's not based in in fact or anything like that, but it is a great tie-in, and I think it's 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 fun. It's fun to think about. I don't know. What do you think, Gabe?
1: Well, of all people to ask, I am a huge fan of the Ninja Turtles. I do know that <clears throat> with with that tie-in, it's 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 more the fact that they kind of, uh, oh, what are their names? Uh, the creators of the uh, Ninja Turtles. Eastman and Laird? Exactly, thank you. Eastman and Laird, when they when they started the origin story for the Ninja Turtles, they, they kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, they just kind of piggybacked off the idea of the chemical spill. Instead, of, they used the ooze instead. And so, you know, it's not... It's one of those. Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then, all right, let's keep moving on. <laughs> well, yeah, I
2: guess it's true. But I mean, the other, the other parts that I won't move on quickly though. But the other, the other thing though too is that all of the Ninja Turtles are actually like straight up copied but flipped from Daredevil. Like, for instance, Daredevil's uh, mentor is Stick and the Ninja Turtles' mentor is Splinter, like from a stick.
0: Or mm-hmm. you know, I uh, didn't even think yeah, about that until and now. Okay, and you just blew my Ninja mind. Turtles <laughs> like, but, so, sorry.
2: Yeah, well, I, first, I, I think it's My good, mind is so blown that I, I still reel from it like 10, 15 years later from when I heard it. So I'm sorry, it still has novelty for me. We'll move on.
0: But yeah, yeah. yeah. so his powers,
2: uh, Daredevil's powers, are
0: so uh, acute that uh, um, he can hear heartbeats from, I think it's up to a mile away. Like he can distinguish heartbeats. Um, he can tell if people are lying based on. Um, you know, their body language, you know, based on their heartbeat and things like that. He also has heightened reflexes and agility because of these extra senses or these heightened senses. Um, and then he, his favorite or his weapon of choice are his billy club slash billy clubs. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he's quite proficient in that. And um, so that's basically it for just telling you a little bit about Daredevil. But in terms of the show... Um, I wanted to just start off and uh, talk a little bit about, you know, each of the characters, and I want to start off with basically my favorite character in the show, notwithstanding Daredevil, you know, because like, I, don't, I don't want to talk about Daredevil quite yet. We'll get to him. Vincent D'Onofrio playing Wilson Fisk is by far my favorite performance of the entire show. I think he was incredible. I think he played the perfect Wilson Fisk. He just blew it out of the park because for me he just he characterized the whole thing that Wilson Fisk is so powerful yet so dangerous i mean he's a big guy and you don't think he could move fast but he doesn't have to cuz he's just a he's just a big strong guy who can snap at any moment and that like really you know hit me hard especially when he like basically crushed that guy's head and decapitated him with a car door it was just like holy crap this guy is
2: so scary so. Which, that is really hard to do, by the way. I have tried crutching a guy's head with a <laughs> hard killer, And you, like, have to have them angled right. And there's a whole skill to it. So, it's like, I really, really appreciated Wilson Fisk doing, like, that. So, you're saying he's really,
0: really, really, really good, good at, it. at it. So, he's done yes, this he many is. times. He's,
2: skilled. he's, he's got skill. Totally. What, what did you think, Gabriel?
1: Well, I'll admit, you know, I mean, for someone that's supposed to have class, I mean... A car door, like, <laughs> in my opinion, he's just being a little lazy. But I'll admit, it does take a certain skill set to be able to do that. You know, the team Pin being the kind, type of character he is is just very, uh, very sporadic. Which is, I don't know, it just reminds me of a bipolar little fat kid. Like, he <laughs> he gets mad, he gets mad. When he gets happy, he gets happy. And well, there's not <laughs> there's not much. To there's not much to it other than that's kind of how his character was built
0: and it, there's kind of a, a sick distinction between Matt Murdock's purpose in helping his city as opposed to what Wilson Fisk is trying to do in helping his city and they're at odds yet I, there was a part in one of the episodes where he's like you and I we, we're the same you know we're you're no different than me I'm just trying to help my city and he's he's like you're doing it through like intimidation and through through you know hurting innocent people and taking things away from the city and i'm trying to weed out the corruption in the city and i think that's an interesting point to make that they did a really good job of playing the line between am i am i a good guy or am i a bad guy is daredevil a good guy or is he just like wilson fisk is he doing the same thing or is he doing different things what do you think scott which
2: i have to wonder if one of these times we're ever going to get like a superhero movie where both the hero and the villain say yeah we're nothing alike what's why do people keep saying that you know <laughs> it's, it's almost started to become like a cliche is sort of like hey you, we're, we're exactly the same no we're not the same yes we're the same and, sorry my but no the one of the things I liked about Wilson Fisk as a character though, is the amount of nuance they gave to someone who typically is just... Has just been a a interesting one-dimensional character, but a fairly one-dimensional character. Like in the comics, there's other than just him being in control and being this kind of big fat guy that you would think wouldn't be in control, but is really in control and can handle himself in a fight. And like he's just sort of Mister Control, and so the dynamic of throwing in his personal history to kind of see how his, his need to control uh, developed from his utter lack of control when he was younger, I thought was a very interesting wrinkle on the character.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. I, I agree with that. What do you think, Gabe?
1: Ooh, that's almost, it's almost opening a can of words with me only because I studied psychology. You know, the, the, you know, the human psyche for handling yourself under extreme extreme pressure, extreme decisions like that, especially at an early age age, can uh literally morph morph a person's mind and uh belief, you know, based on you know, just purely speculating on just the show itself, maybe mixed in a little with the comics, you know, just with what he's witnessed, what he's experienced what he, the decisions he's, he's had to make based on the limited information he was given as a, at a young age, kind of, you know, it's really relatable to what you see in everyday life nowadays. You know, um, just, you know, studies show that kids that <clears throat> most kids that undergo trauma like that end up like Wilson Fisk. They, you know, it's they, the personality is just develop into something extreme not like your your average mellow person that you see on the day-to-day experience but you know uh people you know kids people anyone really that undergoes such traumatic experiences like he did just fall onto one side of the fence they that's kind of uh, i guess another way to put it is what knocks them off that fence whether they want to be knocked off or not, whether they want to go on one side or the other, it's just what happens. Yeah, um, it's like. Sorry. Go ahead. If I, no, go ahead.
2: Yeah, it's like um, it's like when you're in such an extreme position, you kind of have to, in order to reach an emotional equilibrium, become as extreme in extreme back. So it's like so you know you're constantly under the thumb of a bullying father or just uh, uh, – and then a uh, society that's also just enabling him, you kind of mentally develop so you push back against those things, often ironically being exactly the thing that you're pushing uh, pushing against.
0: So what you're getting at though – I mean I guess what we're all getting at is that they are a product of the society that essentially raised them and they have equally – become as dangerous and violent as the surroundings that they grew up in, to an extent.
2: Yeah, and, you know, uh, latching onto the symbolism that, which I thought was really clever symbolism that they used to kind of symbolize uh, Kingpin as a character, there was that painting, The Rabbit in the Snowstorm, where you know, the joke uh, that that she was telling him as she's trying to sell him this painting is that it's basically just, you know, it basically just – um, I, sorry, I'm spacing out a words. What's it called? You put it on a wall of stucco? No, not, but like it just kind of looks like – It's a textured a white painting. painting. Yeah, like it just looks like a, a – it's just a white textured painting. And the funny thing is though is I don't know if you guys ever did this. I remember doing this when I was younger and bored in school and just like looking up at the ceiling and looking at the cracks and how something so simple and something so straight – forward as just a blank white wall would have all these canyons and and just and and if you were to try and smooth that wall out you would actually have your work cut out for you and so i think it's a very fitting metaphor for the kingpin like he's he seems simple on the surface you know like he has his he's a mob boss cut and done that's a that's like a white painting but the closer you look at it the more texture and detail you see and the stuff that's hidden under that veneer and i thought that was like the genius thing that they did while at the same time still making him absolutely resemble what you picture for the kingpin as a character like you close your eyes now and you'll picture vincent d'onofrio as the kingpin
0: oh yeah yeah yeah, and yeah, I, thought, I thought I even, I even still thought that, that Michael Clark Duncan movie. from the Daredevil movie was was still actually a, a fairly decent kingpin in his own right, um, you know, big guy, super, you know, calm veneer like you said, and then under the surface he's just like this raging storm of, of anger and, and emotions. But uh, let's let's move on. I want to just uh kind of bundle these two characters together, uh, Karen Page and uh, Foggy Nelson. Um, I thought Foggy was hilarious and I thought he was kind of like the perfect compliment to Matt's, uh, Matt Murdoch's kind of, uh, dedication slash, you know, he, he, he's, he's sort of quiet and Foggy is sort of outspoken and he's kind of his, um, kind of his balancing act. He's the other side of the coin. He's like, well, you know, I'm still funny. And then Matt was just kind of, he's like, well, I'm kind of serious business here. You know, he's got all. The only thing Matt's got on his mind is saving the city, and, and Foggy's like, I want to be a cool lawyer and things like that. And um, for Karen Page, she was a quite an interesting character. And uh, Gabe, what are your take on these characters?
1: Well, I'll admit, I like, I really do like Foggy. The fact that he's kind of like comical relief. He's, I mean, face it, everyone in life needs that one best friend that makes them laugh. Whether they mean to do it or not. <laughs> True and so, you know, Foggy, he does, you know, he does an excellent job for, for being Matt Murdock's best friend. Um, I mean, he kind of rolled back into the history of how they met, you know. Ironically, where did they meet? College. <laughs> the one place, <laughs> the one place for most people to, you know, get that comical release, whether you have that degree or not. And so, you know, <clears throat> um, Foggy was just, you know, he's kind of, kind of like his, uh, I guess the best way to put it, his remedial, remedial, uh, crutch for kind of staying sane with himself. Uh, if we were to move on to Karen, you know, the way they introduced her was kind of like a whoops. Yeah, that's how it
0: felt.
1: <laughs> you know, just some random chick out of nowhere uh, gets mugged. Murdoch goes saves her, and then next thing you know, he picked himself a lost puppy. And you know, for for Foggy, it's like, oh, you know, it's time to ha- time to have some of that one-on-one time with the lost puppy. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, super confusing. But, oh, you know, it. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep that calm and as professional as I can. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 worry too much about it. But as far as like Karen Page, I'll admit she, uh, no, her character in the whole in the whole series is pretty interesting. Uh, when you think about it, compared to like the comic, you don't really have that Karen Page presence anywhere. It's more of a, I think, I want to say it's more more the writers and more the writers' way of introducing uh, the word, I guess, a, more of a like a romantic feel to it. You know, they give it that, that uh, feminine touch in the office where, you know, you have, you, know, you got, everyone knows you got Matt doing his doing his thing in the day, doing his thing at night, foggy, you know, being kind of, at first being oblivious to what, to his best friend's uh, personal nightlife. And, you know, just kind of going along with this, with the day-to-day uh, routine of, you know, law- being lawyers in, you know, in a big city. And then... You know, out of nowhere, you, you got Karen Page that kind of that kind of massages out all that t- testosterone for them. You know, <laughs> she's she's there um, getting their lives, you know, getting their little professional lives together. Sometimes getting their personal lives together, which is kind of ironic because she has she brings a lot of drama within herself too.
0: Yes, she does.
1: But you know, those two between Foggy and Karen, you know, the way those, the way those two were bundled up together in the series, it's like you kind of get that feeling that they were meant to be, but, I mean, Are you still there? we all know. Oh,
0: how. Was, how that ended up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well,
1: yeah go ahead. You guys, What were you going to say?
2: <laughs> no, I, if you, you disappeared for a second there. <laughs> I just, like, didn't know if you guys were still there. Uh, oh. <laughs> all of a sudden, like, the sound, I didn't know if the sound cut out, or if you just stopped talking, it threw me off. Um, sorry, audience, technical, funny difficulties. Anyway, um, when it comes to Karen Page... I I unanimous I love everything about her character actually. Like I I thought the actress that they got for her was perfect. I spacing out on her name, but she was also on True Blood, which if any if anyone here watched that show and then watched her in this, it was like a total turnaround because it's like she almost seemed like the picture of helplessness in the first episode of this series and she was not that apparently at all. not, yeah. <laughs> and so but I think one of the reasons I love it too is that um the character of Karen page is actually like in the comics she she was sort of the closest you know she was like the closest that Daredevil had to having a um, to having like a Lois Lane but she got kind of crap treatment like she turned into a full-blown drug addict. Sold Daredevil out for drugs and just like basically was just a kind of reinforced that whole, uh, that whole women, am I right, sort of mentality. And I almost feel like the writers of this show were very aware of her as a character and just thought, I'm going, and just thought to themselves, I'm going to do the exact opposite of her treatment in the comics and actually make her, you know, seem like someone that you're, you know, that you have no reason to pay attention to, only to become probably the biggest driving force outside of Matt Murdock, possibly even more than Matt Murdock, into them nailing Kingpin. Like, she was the one... Matt Murdock was was beating people up with his fists and was breaking down, like... was breaking down the um, forces. But it was Karen Page who was going through and doing the detective work and the digging and kind of pushing everyone to make sure that got done and i just thought i just thought that that was especially having been familiar with her character in the comics and how she was kind of just always pointless drama for the sake of pointless drama she she solved as many problems as she created and i thought that was fantastic
0: and if i can add to that i think she kind of also represents a third party in the series she kind of represents the entire city as a whole she's kind of like I don't know, I guess the face of what uh, Matt Murdock as Daredevil is trying to protect and is trying to fix. Like, she kind of represents all the emotions of people probably in the city and how they feel on a day-to-day basis. Kind of like, they're running scared, the city is becoming dangerous, they want things to change, and, you know, she just kind of, I feel like, represents all of that in one person, and they kind of used her as 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 kind of a, a poster board for all of the things that that people in the city are trying to say, uh, without actually See, going
2: to them all. I'd slightly disagree in that. I definitely think she represents that, but I don't know that she represents all of that. I thought a smart thing that they did is that you could argue Foggy also represents the average person's uh, the average person's reaction to all this crime. And and in the same way, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the reporter's name. Um, ben Urich. Thank you, thank you. And in the same way, Ben Urich also represents... And that was... That, in a nutshell, is one of the things that made Daredevil such a good story is that you can't point at one character and say they represent all of the feelings of the entire city because each of them, in their own way, captures dimensions. And, you know, in the same way, too, um, uh, Rosario Dawson's character, also the same way. Like, everyone, everyone shaded what the city would feel about all of this and sometimes at odds with each other and that's that went a long way to show that this is that unlike other superhero stuff where you just have to go through the origin story and then the hero digs deep and finds it in themselves to be the hero they want to be and and have a cgi suit and and all that sort of stuff like this one was more like, no, this is closer to real life. And in real life, doing the right thing is just not is not that simple. It's it, Choosing to do the right thing is the beginning of the plot arc as opposed to the end of the plot arc. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess if we revised our statement there,
0: that we could say most of the auxiliary characters like Ben and Foggy and even Mrs. Cardenas... They all kind of give that perspective about the city, and we kind of learn about the city through them. Um, So moving on, um, I want to talk about. I guess let's spend like a couple minutes just talking about um, Matt Murdock himself. I thought the the casting of Charlie Cox for uh, Matt Murdock was pretty good. Amazing. Um, I I I think I think his physique was perfect for the character. You know, he's got that slender, tall build, but he's still you know really built. Um, he's he looks very agile i i don't know how much of the any of the scenes he did himself and i think he did quite a bit actually but um i think he he really personified the role gave it a new face and um kind of really put put a new uh, attack in the in the map for Daredevil like to to redefine the character in in film and tv and i i thought he was i thought it was great i thought he was perfect what do you think, Gabe?
1: Um, you know, to be honest, he hit that role like a glove. Uh, you know, Daredevil's persona is exactly what it's portrayed in in this TV series. You see him as calm, collect, um, very intuitive. <laughs> Ironically, and very intuitive with the senses, both the metaphysical and the physical, and <clears throat> just the way he just the way he presents the series as as closely relatable to the comic, you know, it's, it almost mirrors one another. Um, You know, enough said with Matt Murdock, Daredevil's persona himself, uh, you know, the crime fighter, his, you know, his style of fighting, his, um, I guess his presence, you could say, throughout the entire series shows that he, you know, he, he brings that, song, that strong sense of justice for your average person. And I like how throughout the series, it kind of just escalates. How he, he kind of shows, you know, the average person can defend himself and then towards the end, you know, not only can the average person defend himself from the everyday person, but also from, you know, the elitist, you know, the rich, the, um, the people, um, metaphorically speaking, people that were meant to bully you and you know, I can't, I can't think of a greater, of a greater icon in that sense than, than what Daredevil uh, plays in that role. But then yes. you know, that's just me. What do you think, Scotty? <clears throat> yeah, Daredevil,
2: like, he really, he really is a good example of like the little guy. Like, I think that's why, him getting pitted against, uh, uh, him getting pitted against Kingpin even more than Spider-Man or Punisher, it's usually Daredevil who gets pitted, and that's because. Daredevil is kind of, he's kind of the scrapper. He he's the one that like you know in a fight he 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 doesn't have brute strength. He's not able to dominate his opponents, so he has to kind of wear them down and dodge them, and and that really defines how he goes about just solving problems. Like he can't, and in this same way too, it's like he he's a lawyer, and the movie make the the show makes uh, a great. Um, constantly makes great points about the fact that as a lawyer, he more than anyone should know that he shouldn't be working as a vigilante, but yet there's only so much he could do as a lawyer, at the same time there's only so much he could do as a vigilante, so in that same way, just like in a fight, you know, he works you know, he's scrappy and he he moves and everything like that when dealing with the law, he kind of has to treat the law like a scrapper, he doesn't have he doesn't have the income to just get an army of lawyers and dominate or push things into people doing things great. And um, I think it's also cool, too. Like, you actually, you described him as being intuitive. I would actually um, – sorry, I recently, like, took this personality test that bro- broke down, you know, you're intuitive versus observant and that sort of thing. And it's funny, like, when talking about Foggy and Matt, they – they complement each other very well because Matt I think is very observant where observant individuals they're more down to earth they're absorbed in practical matters and they focus on what has happened whereas intuitive people intuitive people are imaginative absorbed in ideas and they focus on what might happen and like the uh, but at the same time though Matt Murdock is is more of a feeler than a thinker so even though he's very observant he observes and, and then reflects on how that makes him feel as a person, whereas Foggy, um, even though he's he's intuitive and tends to think about big ideas, he, he thinks about those ideas. And, like, I just think it's... I, I could go on forever and ramble on and probably, like, stop and just kind of like I'm doing now, but I just think that Matt Murdock is just a fascinating character because he... Um, so many times you... you uh, are told that what makes a good character is to have them change, to have them, you know, have that character arc where they go from one person to another. And I I often disagree with that, and I think Daredevil shows a good example why, because when it comes down to it, Matt Murdock doesn't change as a person. He's tested and pushed to change, but his ultimate... But his ultimate win, his ultimate um, success, is based off of the fact that he considers change, but then, but realizes that he he was he had the right idea. He refuses to kill. He he doesn't sink to their level. He and, and instead he just stays true to himself. And I think I think those tend to be much more interesting characters than the I'm a loser. But I've learned to not be a loser and now I'm a winner. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: he's, yeah, he's very, very uncompromising. He's yeah. he he stands, he stands up, up and he, and he says him. I am not going to change for you or for anybody else. You know, this is my city. You know, that's that's kind of the superhero mantra is I'm going to protect my city. I'm going to protect my realm and you know, he is uncompromising in that he loves his city. He's going to He's not going to change that about himself. And he he does, you know, like he said, he does try to save his city through the law as well as he does through through other means and using his talents, you know, and that's kind of how he was trained. He was trained to use those talents to uh, protect the innocent. And, you know, in talking about these minor, I wouldn't call them minor, I'd say they're just, you know, more hometown superheroes, like luke cage and iron fist and and on all these other guys you know this is the it's like you said they're scrappers and they they fight for the everyman and i think that's kind of the point of the show is that this is what he's fighting for and one of my favorite moments when he kind of portrays like his roots and what he's fighting for is is and we'll talk about this next is after the hall the hallway scene fight where he does that huge fight in the hallway. He, he finds that little boy and he, um, you know, he carries him home. He's, you know, he's like, I'm going to take you home to your dad. And I think for him, it was like completing the circle. He's like, I lost my father, you know, because of, 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 organized crime. I've lost my family because of this. And I'm going to protect those and make sure that doesn't happen to anybody else, you know? And I think that really, that moment when he's carrying that little boy out of there, he's like, you know, I'm here. I'm don't be scared. I'm gonna take you home. Just kind of like nailed, nailed it right on the head. That's why he's fighting. That's why he's doing this. This is, you know, my purpose is to, to stop these criminals and to make sure that you know, people can live freely. Um, and now,
2: um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Scott, go ahead. Really quickly, you mentioning that, I couldn't help but just. Um realize in some ways I haven't realized before how many parallels he has with Batman,
0: yeah, exactly
2: yeah totally, but, but Daredevil, and this is very important, Daredevil is like the blue collar Batman <laughs> he really is he's <laughs> I, I don't want <laughs> to make light that. of like how like not I mean, as powerful
0: incredible. he is as Batman, but like it, it's just like you said he's kind of like the blue collar Batman
2: he's yeah he, it's like Batman like Batman um his his story is every much is every bit as privileged as it also is tragic you know it's like i don't want to take away the tragedy of batman because that that's horrible to anybody but at the same at the same time batman still has advantages which come with their own disadvantages that that matt murdock didn't you know it's like uh, on the one hand you know matt murdock doesn't have all the wealth that that bruce wayne has and so he's got to make do with the what he's got but on the other hand too he also doesn't have as much of the um as much of the public eye focused on him too and and so whereas like batman has to constantly be diverting people away from bruce wayne as a persona nobody's paying attention to blind lawyer matt murdoch in hell's kitchen
0: yeah perfect cover
2: <laughs> yeah exactly
0: Exactly. Which is funny, funny. because it's, it's, he's wearing that black mask over his yeah, eyes and you think, huh, how does this guy fight without seeing? It's kind of funny, huh? Maybe we should
2: be looking <laughs> for a blind guy. Uh, <laughs> so. oh, that's really true. If, you, for, if you've ever done a Halloween costume having like a black hood over your face, you can see through it for the same reason that like, you know, when you have your lights off, when you have your lights off, in the car, you can see outside of the car at nighttime, but when the lights are on in the car, you can't see outside of the car. That's true. Uh, when you have a black mask over your face, it's so close to your face, it's so dark inside of there that you can see the light outside of it very easily. Hmm. Interesting.
1: But the, yeah, like what, you
0: said, there's the, huge parallels between him and him and Batman, and I think that's, that's a very interesting point to make. It's the, the tragic story that fuels the fire for someone to become more than what society had intended for them and um, yeah. and
2: yeah. the goal is the same too like both of them you know the idea of batman trying to save a kid from the same fate that he had to go through as a kid you know is that's why batman takes on robin that's why you know it's like both matt murdoch and bruce wayne have very similar ideals it, it's a shame that dc and marvel will never like can't just cross over because i'd I'd love to see those two just work together
0: yeah that would be interesting i mean they have done crossovers in the past but it's like i, I doubt that's going to happen very many more times and it'll probably yeah. be a long time before that ever happens again but yeah, yeah um i think i think those are some great parallels to to consider you know there's always that that backstory that kind of ties ties characters from different worlds together but let's move on to fighting um I, I think the fight scenes in this show were absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, on the level and on the par with like Arrow and stuff, and 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 the Flash. I mean, the Flash I'm sorry, and Arrow. I mean,
2: those. those are... flash. What's that? I'm sorry, they were better than Arrow and the Flash, and yes. I say this is a fan of Arrow and the Flash, but yeah, me too. <laughs> me too.
0: I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Flash and Arrow. I think they're both amazing shows, and you know, we'll we'll get to those in other podcasts, but um you know for for the fact that these like these fight scenes didn't require any real cg or anything like that to be done it was all just scripted stuff it's all it all looked very natural like and and to 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 go into that a little further the fights that he's in take a huge toll on him i mean when you look at other superhero shows and the fights that they're in they oftentimes come away without a scratch and it kind of upsets me that that shows like arrow and the flash i mean yeah they get hurt but it's nothing too debilitating but when you come over here to daredevil on the other side you could see he is getting stitched up constantly he is getting the crap kicked out of him even though he wins it's they they, they use the metaphor he's like a boxer you know he went the distance even though he got rocked pretty hard on A lot of these fights He still came out the victor But not without scars And I mean I I can't imagine what What some woman will say When he gets his shirt off And she's like Oh where are these from? And uh, he's going to have a hard time being like Um I tried to Become a chef And I And I couldn't cut the vegetables And I ended up cutting myself instead But You just couldn't cut
2: the vegetables You're blind Come on man What were you thinking?
0: Anyway Um I just was so amazed by how well actually these fights stick to the comics because Daredevil, as we know, is supposed to be super agile. He's supposed to have the agility of like an Olympic gymnast or better, per se. And some of the the huge front flip kicks to the face and the aerials that he was doing and a lot of the parkour just really went over the top and nailed the characters from the comic together with what we saw in the show. And I thought that was just... Amazing, and then, Tabu like his fight with Nobu was amazing. He got super cut up there. I was impressed by that. But obviously, the hallway scene is my favorite fight of the entire show. I just was um, was totally blown away by how I don't know how well they just tied each of those shots together because it's not a one shot. It is filmed um, in pieces. But you don't notice the pieces. It's meant to look like a one-shot. But, yeah,
2: sorta of like the sort of like on uh, Children of Men, if any of you have seen that when um, that has like a number of one shots too, that are several different shots tied together. But I think one of the things that makes the hallway sequence so good too is the idea that for one thing, contrary to what Michael Bay would have you think. Um, right, Bay. A good fight or action sequence involves... Is setting up a good fight or action sequence is similar to setting up a chess game. Knowing where the pieces are in relation to each other and the danger that they have once they get into proximity with each other is half of what makes it exciting. And that hallway sequence was just so perfect because before it ever even started it showed you the layout and then it showed you the pieces and it showed you everything, all of the elements that were in here. It's kind of, you know, it's to mix metaphors because I'm excellent at that. It's kind of like, you know, sort of like, wow, this is, this is a really good dish you created. But then when you watch someone make that, that dish, it's more impressive because you're like, wait, you use this and this and this. And with that hallway sequence, it showed all the elements that were being put in there. And then it dropped in Daredevil. And it waited to introduce him last so that as soon as you saw him walk down that hallway, your brain could already think ahead to, wow, this. Is, what's he going to do? Is he going to try and sneak past them? No, it looks like he's going to go take them off. This is going to be pretty gnarly. And I almost actually anticipated that once he like busted through that door... For it to, like, cut to black or something and not see the fight at all. But then the fight kept going, and it, like, my jaw just dropped even more and more. And it was because it was just, like, it it was perfect synergy, showing all these different elements of just how they play off of each other. And then the element of how, as a regular person, he's going to be tired, and so he's using that to prop himself up. (laughs) <laughs> you know, in between hits, like he, he punches a guy down and then leans against the wall, breathing heavily, and then uses his shoulder to push off the wall. So, uh, at the same time, letting him push his arm for a punch. And it was just, it just felt so real. And it also just, it made the stakes higher because well,
0: none, like, I don't care how good your cardio is and how long you can, you think your endurance will last. I mean, I, I've tried wrestling somebody for real once, and it takes so much out of you. It's incredible. It's incredible how much energy it takes to get somebody on the ground and, you know, put them out. So when, like you said, when he's leaning up against the wall, I'm like, that is so accurate. That is so accurate. You can't take on 15 guys by yourself and and be able to stand easily, you know, halfway through. Like, what do you think, Gabe?
1: Well, ironically, you're talking to someone who used to fight. <laughs> I have, no, you're 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 right on. Um, very few people can actually enter a fight and leave without a scratch. Um, you know, with with these fight scenes, it's, like you guys said, it's very accurate. Uh, <clears throat> I remember back in my martial arts martial arts days, uh, the only time I was able to leave a fight without a scratch was when I was going up against people that were at least two to three ranks below me like and that's only because i'm teaching them (laughs) you know um it's comparable like being smacked by your parents uh you know they smack you around for doing something bad and the only one that leaves bruised is you not them but in but in relation to how how these fight scenes are portrayed it's it's not like he's going up, up against people that are equally a skilled as fighting, with the exception of Nobu, maybe the kingpin, but other than that, you know, one guy against 15 guys in a hall, you know, yeah, that's gonna take a toll on you, no matter how, no matter how skilled you're at. Um, you know, the only way I could see, but logically and realistically, the only way he would have left that, that fight scene uh, with little to no damage was had he been used to that on a day-to-day basis you know um if you pay attention to all the other scenes from scene one up until that fight scene in the hallway you know it starts out him against what three to five guys and then a couple scenes later him against it'll be like him against one other guy and then him against five to seven guys and then scene after it's like him against like maybe two three guys at the most and then you know it just kind of uh, tethers back and forth between you know not so many to a group and have they kept that consistent you know then you could say oh yeah you know this should be nothing new but realistically speaking it's it's amazing to, it's it's like watching the olympics almost you know you never know what the next challenge is going to be and he always comes out on top with his fights and the, his fighting style um it's you know we're introduced to it's uh, oh, what's it called? A more in the comics, it's meant to be portrayed as like an earlier form of jiu-jitsu or ninjitsu, and as you see it now in modern times, it's more of a modern form of ninjitsu. And I like how they take, how they keep things up to pace with, you know, uh, the current generation. And that way, it's more I would get more meaning out of that history lesson. And you're not thinking, oh, you know, that's just you know, that's it's just the story. That could never really happen if it even if you wanted to be. But these writers are saying, you know, no, it's true. Freaking it can happen to anyone like you and me. And this is how he handled it. And this is how he was prepared for it. And and even up until the fight scene against the Kingpin, um, for my last commentary on this, you know, that it's that one one on one match where you're pitted against someone of
0: much bigger than you.
1: I was, I was gonna say equal or greater value. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, much bigger than you, were too. Um, uh, um, with the way he's, you know, the way he fights the kingpin at the end, it wasn't, you know, he, he Murdoch with uh, his with his training and his skill set. You know, he didn't go in fighting like he did with the with the fifteen in the hallway. He went in fighting, knowing it'd be like fighting Nobu again but a bigger version, (laughs) you know, and, you know, he, he adapted quickly. He knew, you know, this is going to, this, this is going to take my all. So I got to, you know, I better, I better play it quick and play it strong in in the first half, you know, and as, as a fighter, you know, you kind of, you only do that if you sent, you have the sense of, I might fail, you know, that doubt, that kind of, scours the back of your mind thinking you know i have the ability supposedly to win a fight at this caliber but you know there's also that chance due to you know the, the logistics of he's bigger than me he might he's obviously might might be a little more powerful than me so i better give it my all to kind of gauge how if i can actually do this or not you know now let's let's say you know, let's say that fight ended in a draw you know Daredevil and Kingpin go at it. They're both, you know, they're both winded. They look at each other and kind of walk away. You know, Matt's first impression is going to be, crap. Like, <laughs> this did not go as I planned, but, you know, at least I survived. And is going to be thinking, oh, he ain't no pussy. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I did underestimate my opponent. But the fact that he won the fight, you know, daredevil's thinking in his mind all right you know the doubt's gone i can now remove that doubt and you know from here on out it should and i use that term lightly should be easy sailing but everyone knows that's not always the case you know it's relatable to life itself go ahead scott
2: well i think the interesting thing is that you know talking about the plan for season two Um, we look at all of the fights for season one and they've all been like fist fights or knife fights or, you know what I mean? Like they've, Mm -hmm. he's managed to be able to take it to that, to the fighter without, you know, by being able to sidestep the guns. And so like you said, it it should be smooth sailing, but we know that it's not. And it's when you think about it, it makes it really clever the direction they're going in because now he's going to be going up with someone who's going to be bringing a gun to a fist fight. Yeah, you know, he's going up against the Punisher.
1: Well, it'd and also so... be
0: different now because, as we've seen in season one, he get, he got real cut up pretty easy wearing just his his sport top and his his light clothing. But now that he's actually got something that can help protect him, I think there. I mean, I think we can expect a lot higher caliber fights, including, you know, uh, more, I guess, skilled opponents. Opponents that really test him, that he'll have multiple encounters with. And he's—I mean—he's obviously going to be tested. Like in his new suit, it'll—it'll it'll come harder. It'll—it'll it'll come down way harder on him, I think, to, to test him because you know they're going to keep up the idea that he's going to get beaten down. They're not going to leave that alone. They're—they're going to keep going with that. So I think—I think we can expect some—some some more serious fights, even more serious than we've seen, and more dangerous
2: situations to put him in. Well, um, it'll be it'll have to be a change in tactics. Okay. And um, and that'll be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: yeah, I guess the one last thing I'd wanna say though is I hope his suit gets like a slight makeover. But before the next <laughs> time we see this, I <laughs> <found it> very <laughs> underwhelming. Like I didn't you know, there's all this build up. It's like, hey, we're gonna finally show the suit and I liked the I liked his uh, Dread Pirate Roberts gear much much better. Uh, <laughs> like I thought, like if they had just taken that, and made it red, and put some little horns on it, that would have been cool with me. Like his, uh, I mean, his new suit looks too much like a BMX out a BMX uh, cut rate Batman outfit. I mean, like, well, I think, and this is part of it, too the the cut on his cowl is all wrong. Like, his his mask is cut like Batman.
1: It is. Daredevil's
2: mask is not cut like Batman. Daredevil doesn't have the little nose guard piece. that goes over his nose. The strap kind of goes across the top of the bridge of his nose. And, the, yeah, like, I know I'm nitpicking, but I just thought his, you know, pardon my language, his costume looked like ass.
1: I... <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say scott you know it's kind of supposed it's supposed to i have the only reason i say that is because the way these the way these writers and these producers are thinking is you know it it matches the first season because you know i guess it's hard to kind of depict and uh, explain exactly why that is, but the closest I can come to it is the fact that it's it's part of the whole humble beginnings. You know, he's the prototype suit matches the season one, which is the prototype season for when Netflix launched this. They knew, well, I'll admit, I'm pretty sure in the back of their minds they had a, a strong hunch that this series would be a success. So they figured, you know, it's going to be a success, we're going to work hard at it, therefore everything should equate to, to each other, you know. Matt, like you guys mentioned before, you know, the blue-collar Batman here, he's over here um, working, his, working his tail off to be the superhero that the city needs. And at the end, when he's given the one piece of equipment he's going to need throughout the rest of his, uh, you know, storyline, that's how it starts. Yeah, it's not going to be the prettiest, but it's a start. And then we can expect to see perfection as the seasons go on, um, you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those realities where you got to think to yourself, hey, it's either that or he goes back to the Oscar Mayer weenie, you know, <laughs>
2: I don't know. I thought his costume was comparable to the Oscar Mayer weenie as far as how <laughs> oh, well, it if, if I can add to that, I, I would agree with Gabe and also add
0: that. If we look, if we kind of compare it on a level, like looking at all the other Marvel superheroes um, up to date with their costumes, um, none of them like always perfectly conform to the comics, and that's just kind of, it's just kind of, you you get what you you came for. I mean, they're all kind of modern updates to what the comics portray, and... And like, look at look at Captain America. I mean, there are a lot of things that are, are slightly different to yes to the original costume, and they've done away with a lot of things because they're modernizing it, and they're kind of putting it into terms that fit with our time period and fit with what we can expect today. And I think, yes, Dare I, I would agree. Daredevil's costume did not conform to the comics completely. It, it's more of like a rough sketch. Um, to what the comics originally um, had in mind and what we would expect, even in comparison to Daredevil the movie. But I can say for it that it is a, it is a great modern portrayal that fits in well with other costumes that we see with uh, Marvel characters, like, look at Black Widow, look at Hawkeye. I mean, their, their, their costumes are very modern in their material look and what they have to offer in that regard. And I think Daredevil's costume does fit that fit that idea, although it doesn't really conform to the comics um, as great as we'd like. But nonetheless, I mean, it's still got some of the great elements. It's still got the horns. It's still, you know, he still got his billy clubs, which I might add, I was kind of disappointed they they lost the whole uh, the wire. You know, it's used as a grappling hook. They didn't include that, and I was kind of upset about that. And and that's just they why. might
2: include that in the second
0: but, season. Yeah, that that's probably later to come um he'll probably get used to using some kind of like grappling hook he, he in the next season stuff. and then he'll want to incorporate that into his billy club and you know i think we could we could probably expect that in the near future but like i said i i think his costume for a first season end of the season prototype was was okay it was it was yeah. fine i think it it met the qualifications for what he was he was getting like gabe said but it's it's far from over
2: and there is room to improve it because, as they mentioned, they said it wasn't like totally finished yeah, yet. Yeah, wasn't finished. Which yeah. I think might have been the writers' like, you know, uh, might have might have been their little escape route in case people didn't it, didn't like the costume. Which apparently I'm not the only one. So,
0: well, it's more <laughs> of them just like shaking their finger at you, saying like, "Nah, not yet," you know. We're yeah. You know, we're gonna save the best for you know a couple seasons down the road when yeah. you get to see him in his prime. You know, this is this season is just him starting out as yep. Daredevil, you know, he is making his first appearance in Hell's Kitchen as Daredevil with this you know, with this arrival. So, I mean, look at Batman, even his first outfits are were, were kind of rough sketchish if we if we look into it and look into the history, he was kind of rough sketchy as well. That's true. So I, I, I cut him some slack but as well I mean, yeah, it was nowhere near what the actual Thing look like
2: mostly this series was just so good that i had to find something in it you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like a, this is my way like of my, my way of hating them.
0: something about it yeah
2: it's like I, I in order to feel fair and biased i have to feel like uh, fair and unbiased i have to feel like i have something
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so let's let's compare it to let's go on to comparing it quickly to uh other shows in market for superheroes um, but Gabe, why don't you, why don't you give us a rundown of what you think?
1: Ooh, ah, you just had to ask the kid that doesn't watch that much TV. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I can, I can answer it if you prefer. Like, cause I've got, I have opinions. I have so many opinions. <laughs> well, let, because... let, let's let Scotty,
1: let's let Scotty go first. And that way it can jog, <laughs> jogs jog my memory to see what I've seen in the, what I've seen recently. Go ahead, Scotty.
2: Well, I think the funny thing is, is like, you know, comparing this with other superhero TV shows, to compare it to, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which takes place in the same universe, kind of feels like apples and oranges because they, mm. they're they going after such different things. Yes. And to, comp- and to compare it to The Flash, I think, is the same way. But you could very, uh, very easily compare it to Arrow. And it's funny because, like, I, I like Arrow. I like a lot of things that it does. and But... Uh, in some ways daredevil kind of has inadvertently cheapened arrow for me because now I watch arrow. I'm like, <laughs> uh, It's so obvious that this is made so on unfair the channel that did Dawson's Creek because they're dealing <laughs> with relationships over the fact that people are epic dying. You know what I mean? Like daredevil, the, daredevil, like, uh, Gabriel, you'd mentioned, um, Oh man, I have this bad habit. I can, I will forget names. I'll forget my own name. Uh, Care Karen, yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned Karen and you used the word romantic. I actually, like the funny thing is I think the only kind of romance in there was like between her and Foggy a little bit, but it was also just as much camaraderie as it was romance. True, but
1: yep. Other than, like that, yeah.
2: <laughs> other than that, and then also um, Rosario Dawson, yeah, there's a little bit of romantic overtones there, but for the most part, Daredevil like avoided romance except for maybe like the kingpin is the character who's the only the one in the show that got action, action.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly
2: it's like it's like if nothing Actually, else people daredevil is a sign that you can be big husky and bald and still be able to um land superman's biological mother for man of steel like exactly <laughs> that for everybody um, <laughs> how does the
1: how does the big fat
0: guy get more love than than the uh, the handsome savior of Hell's Kitchen? How does that happen? Because know
1: why? Yeah, Gabe, I on. do he's want to know he's why. Not,
0: he's Well, he's, let's, let's, let's got to use. Sorry, but no, hey, bro, let's Scotty.
1: Go ahead. It's,
2: it's but I think and I think that's one of the things that like if you cook. I think that's one of the most obvious differences that if you compare, um, Arrow to Daredevil, Arrow has a lot more melodrama. Where melodrama is just people having drama against each other because (laughs) they kind of can. You know what I mean? It's like they're sort of – they have enough free time that they can just fabricate drama out of thin air. That's like – I'm going to whine about my
0: love life. Is that what they're doing? What's
2: that?
0: They're whining about their love life. Is that what they're doing? Yeah,
2: yeah. They're whining about their love lives, And it's like – which makes sense considering it's, you know, the (laughs) – CW doing it you know the same same people who brought you Dawson's Creek. like it's true um but it
0: does have it, something to at do the with st- it I know it's
2: like us because, because Arrow you know because Green Arrow is a vigilante it's it's funny because the the amount of melodrama there is on Arrow suddenly feels very shamed when compared with Daredevil where there's like no melodrama There's nothing but just pure, unadulterated drama. It's when people are are complaining about stuff that's happening, it's because crap really happens. Like this, like this, it doesn't hold its punches. And so it kind of, it, unfortunately, though I still like Arrow, it cheapens Arrow for me a little bit just because now I'm like, Quit whining about your love life and go do something about the fact that there's crime in your city, dang
0: it! <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree with that, Scott. I would definitely have to agree with that because now that you mention it, let's let's take a, a, a brief look at where these shows are coming from. On the one hand, Daredevil is coming from Netflix, which basically gets free reign. It's like your HBO or Stars or Showtime where they can pretty much do whatever they want and they can be as serious and dark as they so choose. And then we look at other TV shows in market. We'll we'll look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. also to lightly compare it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is is on the light side. You know, that's not as serious in comparison and is on the light side. And then we'll look at DC's Arrow, Flash, coming from the CW. You're getting, like you said, the the Dawson's Creek. You're getting the Smallville. You're getting the cheese. You're getting the cheese. That's what I'm going to call it. You're getting the cheese it's all just melodrama it's a lot of melodrama a lot of relationships when you know when you can watch when you can watch daredevil and you can watch 13 episodes straight and feel like you watched an entire movie that was solely focused on one train of thought the city is falling apart what are these people doing about it you can go but then you go over to dc's like arrow and flash and there's like well, she doesn't love me, what am I gonna do? And then you go to Arrow and it's like, well, this girl doesn't like me because I've been a total a-hole to her for reasons that I'm going to explain and take a long time to get over. So, I mean, that if we look at it in that it's context, because of fight,
2: yeah. Because I'm fighting for justice.
0: Fight for justice, yes. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's it's a, it's definitely a different experience, but I like the fact that the, you could totally binge the whole series and not feel bad about it you know
2: yeah it's
0: you can can watch all 13 episodes and not not feel bad about it if i watched all 20 something episodes of arrow and i'll be like man what did i what did i just do (laughs) uh, uh, even though i really (laughs) like the show (laughs) even though i really like the show and it's so much fun to watch i i couldn't i couldn't do the same thing with arrow that i could do with with the netflix series daredevil because for some reason they have written it so well and so compelling that without that melodrama stuff in it it just is a whole new it's a whole new ball game that they're playing. Yeah. That own. said
2: though too, um a big key difference between Matt Murdoch and um and again, spacing out all names, Green Arrow. I don't remember Oliver his Queen. civilian name. Oliver Queen, thank you. You have failed the city. Sorry. Um <laughs> You always have to say that. (laughs) It's like, you have failed this. Um, But Oliver Queen, unlike Matt Murdock, does have to go through a character change of learning to be less of a selfish doofus. And to his credit, like, when he does, he is comparable to Matt Murdock in being, like... Like, you know, there is a lot of melodrama, but to be fair, he, he... gets caught he gets dragged into it a lot of the time like he it's obvious he doesn't want to deal with the melodrama but in order to interact with his allies and everything like that he he you know has to deal with their feelings and play family psychiatrist before he can fight crime (laughs) (laughs) so uh,
0: yeah yeah. and from there there, let's let's move move on on to to, um uh, How does does it fit in 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 the the Marvel Cinematic Universe? universe? Like, does it fit in well? Does it uh, tie in well? Do you think, like, I want to ask the question, do you think that at some point, you know, we've seen, I'll give the example, we saw Sif in Thor show up in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is it possible, or do you think it's likely that we'll see characters from this show fold into movies? that are that are to come do you think it's ever possible that we might see daredevil show up in a marvel cinematic universe movie like what do you guys think Do you think i think it's likely
2: i think well i think it's very very likely that daredevil will show up in a movie like i could see that easily however i don't think we will ever ever see thor or anyone like that pop up on daredevil (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for some reason that just feels right. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like I could see I could see Daredevil being pulled in because they need everyone that they can to face this big conflict. But you know, I don't think you're ever gonna like when Dare when Daredevil's fighting, you know, dealing with his conflicts. The more separated and and exclusive to the rest of the Marvel universe he is, the more it feels right. Because so I thought. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, that's the nice thing is, is about the show's focus is that it doesn't have to strain to do that. Like they I thought they had some nice pieces of dialogue where they talked about how, you know, nobody's paying attention to us. They're paying attention about alien invasions and all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just keep on going. And it's just like, Yeah You're right. That's totally how it would happen. Good on you show And uh, but like I just uh, but yeah, like I think I think if we that said though, it would be very interesting if Spider-Man pops up in Daredevil, which
0: like, which which it might be likely. Um, they often have they've worked together in the comics frequently, just as um, Punisher has had in re- run-ins with Daredevil as well. So yeah, like you said, that's that's uh, completely likely. But um, Gabe, what do you think? Do you think? The crossovers and the uh, the tie-ins um, with other shows is likely, or
1: well, to be honest, you know, looking at trends based on history, the only time you'd actually ever see the exact same actor in the exact same costume mixed in with his element of other superheroes superheroes in this comic stream is when there are budget cuts <laughs> 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 I mean, Norm, to, to be honest, and it's funny because when I talk about quote unquote the truth behind most of these occurrences and, you know, people's curiosity, it only comes when, you know, when, when companies like DC Comics and Marvel are starting to pinch the wallet, so to speak. You know, um, there was a time, if you look back in, you know, the history of comics when, um i want to say when color tv came around that was when sales of comics started to decline pretty rapidly why because people would rather watch it on tv than sit and read about it or try to you know hide under like a street lamp to read the next page versus i get to sit at home on my couch flip the channel flip the channels and you know wait till mom and dad go to bed and then jump at it again <clears throat> um you know, and that's when you started having crossovers. Why? Because there were budget cuts, and so realistically speaking, that'd be the only time you'd ever they had see. To do something. Yeah, they had to do something to revive, you know, revive that um, that excitement that was starting to lo- starting to get reason. lost.
2: It's for that okay. reason too that comics of that time also started getting more sciency and and because comics when they started out were kind of more street level and gritty and even superman his powers were not the ridiculous power set that he had now like it wasn't until after colored tv happened and comics had to get create start get more creative yep because the fact that the colored pictures didn't cut it anymore and so they just went for broke with as many crossovers and gonzo ideas as they possibly could and so yeah that's a good point like i kind of think and so if if what if what you're if I'm fully grasping what you're saying, it almost because I do think that they have a lot to gain to like throw Daredevil in as a cameo for like you know for like infit you know Avengers Civil uh, not Civil War but um Infinity War mm-hmm. like why not that's by its definition it's supposed to be infinite and involve everybody but. I guess the only time they would start being like, hey, here's Iron Man on next episode of Daredevil would be if they're in decline and they need to try and drum up sales.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel, I, feel like <laughs> I feel like that is
2: possible. I think, like, in Infinity War, I could
0: totally see them doing a uh, an Easter egg where they mention, like, a couple of, a couple of lawyers from Hell's, from Hell's Kitchen or saying, I don't know, there's a couple of lawyers and one of them is blind and they mention that in Civil War somewhere. And then so later on down, down the road, down you, you might see Daredevil, Daredevil you know, enter Infinity War. War but, but the only, the only reason, reason that they that can they do that, or even think about doing it, is because, because they, they have, have the, the rights, rights back, back for, Daredevil, for Daredevil, which they, they, didn't, they didn't have, have before. It. And they, I mean, when, when they, they, have, they have, have the, the rights, rights to do these sorts of things, it puts a whole new element in there where they can kind of play around and do what they want. They can put characters, and characters in shows and show that, you that you wouldn't expect them to see, only because they have the rights to do it. And when you retain rights, I mean, you, you totally have creative control. And Marvel has that now, so I don't think there's there's no impossibility of doing it, but it's less likely than than I would say, you know, seeing because, like, like I said, I use the example of Sif showing up in Agents of Shield. It's because um, Clark Gregg who plays Agent Coulson started out in the Marvel movies. He started out in Iron Man because he split off into his own show. I think that's part of the reason there are so many crossovers there and, and they can use characters from the movies interchangeably with, with the TV shows. But as for Daredevil fitting in well with the cinematic universe, it's hard to say because it's, it's got its own element and feel to it rather than agents of shield or agent Carter or or any of the other Marvel movies do this is like watching a Batman television show, what well, without Batman? It's just a, it's a total different blue collar Batman. Yeah, blue yeah. collar yeah. blue collar Batman gets his own show, but it's you know super dark and super moody as opposed to watching Agents of Shield, which makes you like laugh half the time, and then you're
2: just like watching them do crazy things. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny though yeah. you you reminded me like I had totally forgotten. Um, how? How? Uh, the, because I like, I got so caught up in the fervor of the show that I forgotten that that it was only recently that Marvel got the rights back, and how there was actually a pitch that would have been a pretty good pitch. That uh, when um, when Fox still owned the rights to Daredevil, the pit the guy who was pitching this was to do like a '70s style like 70s era daredevil movie where it would kind of be like taxi driver you know which was filmed in the 70s and is a classic like basically let's try and bring daredevil back to earth you know back down to earth and get away from the crappy ben affleck movie by just kind of restoring him to his roots and looking at what the world was like then and how he fits in and the funny thing is is that even though the daredevil netflix series takes place in modern times if you're a fan of 70s film cinema like if you if you watch francis ford coppola's movies or if you you know if you like the godfather if you like if you like those movies that came out in the 70s that completely redefined how films were shot cuz because the 70s really did like i mean that that's that's where modern filmmaking as we look at it was born was in the 70s and you can tell that the people who made this netflix series those were the type of movies they liked to watch because their their camera tricks and everything like that were just kind of going back to how it was shot back then like we're surprised by sort of the somewhat simple seeming way of that hallway fight scene but that's yeah, I mean that's like that's like the type of scene you might have seen out of The Godfather or Apocalypse Now or something like that where it's just like that's how one of those filmmakers would have filmed it back then. And so in a weird way that pitch that got um, that you know got scuttled because Marvel got the rights back ended up happening.
0: So yeah, uh, I, I I agree, I agree, agree with, with that and I think, I think that, that- that it's, it's interesting to see where things have gone with the whole rights thing and everything. And rights have such a huge part to play in what, what you can and can't do with the shows that are, you know, being used, that used to either are your intellectual, intellectual property and aren't your intellectual property. And it's a very good point. And I think we can look forward to seeing, um, some interesting things in the coming seasons that either have tie-ins to other things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or, um, or otherwise. But on the whole, uh, just wrapping it up here, um, let's just do a, a, a final say, like, a, how, where would you rate this show on a scale of one being crappy and, um, 10 being, like, incredible? Uh, Gabe, why don't you go ahead?
1: you know I would give it a 1 <laughs> <laughs> no uh a big 10 that's what i'd give it i mean you look at the the raters uh or the viewers ratings it got overall on average 9.3 9 point, between 9.2 3 and 4 out of 10 and just cuz you know it's it's a it's a very nice very uh very well put together uh i don't even know how to what to call it i mean i'd say tv series but you know, nowadays you can watch it online. You can watch it. You know, you can watch it on your TV, but most people, you know, watch it on their laptops or on their iPads. Sometimes on their phone. But um, I think Spirit—it's um,
2: a TV series in Spirit, yeah, so I yeah. feel comfortable calling you know, it
1: that. That's you know, and I was about to say the exact same thing. I'd, I'd you know, they try to keep it original, so let's keep it original. I will call it a TV series because that's what it was meant to be for. Um, it's very well put together. I, you know. Like I said, i give it a 10. What about you, Scott?
2: Um, I would probably, it's funny because it, in taking time to criticize, because I do have, like, some criticisms about it, and I focus it all on the costume, which is minimal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, because I think, but I would easily give it, like, a 9.5. Like, any faults that I have with it um, that I think, I mean, I think the one the one biggest legitimate criticism I might have toward it is that actually it's funny because it's my it's probably my favorite episode of the series, but it also kind of derailed the forward momentum. And that was when Stick was introduced. <laughs> Interesting. <at> <laughs> so, you know, it's like he had just finished with the Russians and, you know, that was all. And then he was going after Leland Owsley. And then all of a sudden, Stick's like, hey, and Owsley tases him and it's done. And then. As soon as he's done with Stick, he doesn't go after Owsley, so it's like it's at that point the plot flounders for a little bit until it gets its feet back, and then in an episode or two. Hmm. But um, but <laughs> I actually like, forgot that about that. That's, just, That's funny. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like the guy who has super so, senses like, couldn't sense not, that
0: taser coming for him.
2: Yeah, I know, right? Like it's just electricity. That's he needs to go up against Electro. He will never see it coming nope <laughs> but, uh, but I guess so it has flaws but it's so good it's still so so good that like yeah 9.5 I'm one of those people that to give something a 10 is so rare that I may as well be giving it a 10 by telling it it has a 9.5 does that make sense
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah I, uh, I it's hard to say like if I'm being super critical, like there are there are things that I probably could point out, but it, on the whole, I was just so impressed with it and so um, enamored with how well it was written, um, how it drove my emotions. You know, it never it never, on the whole, you know, made me feel like ah oh, I have other things to do. Maybe I should turn this off. It always had me on the edge of my seat, um, and it always kept me engaged, like thinking about things and what kind of you know turns and twists it's gonna have next, and I really don't have anything you know really to criticize about other than the suit was just a little off, but you know that's just the nerd in me just coming out and saying, "Well, this it'd be like this and and it you know but uh, nice. i'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go ahead and give it a ten I'm gonna have to give it a ten I think it was incredible I just thought it was um everything everything that it that a superhero television show should have I thought it had and um, did, did justice too. You know, everything from the, from the character developments to, uh, even the opening credits, the, uh, the, the music, the, the milieu, the, the, the everything around it, um, just, just fit to a tee what I, what I felt the, a superhero show should include. And it maintained that serious tone throughout, and I just thought it was, I thought it was amazing, so. So yeah, um... Yeah, I think it was a great show, and um, I
2: feel like we could. I I feel like we could. There's still so much more we could say about this show. Like, I mean, I like we could. I feel like we could fill up a whole other hour and a half just talking about other stuff. Like, we we barely even scratched on Ben Urich. And, that's true. And um, just like 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 he he was such an excellent character, and and that's I think that's the sign of a show that's like like a ten, is that. There's so much you could talk about it that you could just spend the rest of the week being like, "Oh, I didn't even bring this up." Like it just causes your mind to buzz with all of the goodness that was in it.
0: Oh yeah, and my just by the way, most uh, caught off guard moment was when Karen Page shot Wesley. I was. Just, oh my
2: gosh. So just That's
0: just to, I just have really? to mention that I was just so caught off guard. I didn't think she'd do it. I didn't
1: oh, think she'd, gosh, do she it. Do it. I she'd do it. I see would do it. Oh. The thing, that caught me off
2: guard, the thing that caught me off guard is that I knew that any sane person would do it. But most shows would have them not do it for reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so exactly. if the show did what any sane person would do, I think that was just like the cherry on top of you're watching the greatest superhero show that's been made ever so far. Like It's, it's, it's about, about forcing about regular, regular people, people to do the, do
0: the, thing, that do the thing, that thing that they hope that in, they in they their lifetime they will never have to do. Yeah. and that was you know to 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 kill somebody i mean she already yeah. they already made it feel like she killed somebody at the beginning of the show but then they go all the way to here she's terrified she hates what's going on she wants to stop it and then she gets kidnapped and then she is put in an impossible situation where if she puts the gun down and gives it back to him and still refuses to do what wesley says she's going to die and everybody else is going to die and if she does and if she does shoot him she'll be scarred for the rest of her life and she will never be able to truly overcome what is what she's done with herself which is just it's it's those great psychological moments where they're put in a in a in a vice and there's no way out that you're, you're screwed if you do screwed if you don't sort of situations that really make a show memorable and that was like my most memorable moment was just like her pulling the trigger on wesley like it was that first, first shot yeah. like the first shot she shoots him and he's like super surprised you know she shoots him <laughs> in the shoulder he's like um wtf uh what what just happened and then she's surprised herself, but then she continues to pull the trigger and shoots him six more yeah. times. Yeah. So you know, at that point and, you're just you're just over the line. She's just like, I'm gonna finish this. If I'm gonna shoot him once, I might as well
2: just shoot him six more times. Yeah, that's so exactly. <laughs> I, and it made me sad because I actually really as soon as he got shot and died, made me realize that I actually really liked Wesley as a me character. Too. So, I <laughs> thought he was awesome. It was such a game of thrones moment where I'm like Wait, what, you killed him? What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> he was like, he was so, he was such a ruthless bastard, but he was so loyal at the same time. Like, he was actually had good qualities, and he's dead, and good on you, show, you got me. You told, you got well, me. yeah, got he me was so,
0: good. he was so, like, um, invaluable and, and uh, yeah, a perfect, perfect asset, asset to uh, Fisk, it was like, oh. man, I really like him. He's such a good friend, you know, even though he's evil and he's awful.
2: He's such a good friend,
0: you know. So die. Yeah,
2: and then he died. You should have known that as soon as it's like, oh, he's such a good friend, we like him, that's when they die. You know, as soon as good
0: as writing. soon as you realize. Just good writing.
2: That, that's the Joss Whedon rule. It's like, hmm, who's the most likable person I can kill? Uh, the ruthless guy <laughs> who's bribing them to uh, – the, the ruthless guy who's trying to bribe them to uh, – it's representing someone who's obviously guilty, which again, shows the skill in the show when that's the most likable guy for them to kill. Yeah. Besides foggy, but they won't go there.
0: No, I hope. <laughs> I was surprised when they <laughs> killed Ben too, but anyway, um, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to thank you, um, all those who are listening, um, for, uh, listening to our show. Um, we're just happy to have people listening. Um, stay tuned. We've got some great stuff coming for you next week. Um, We'll keep you updated on the latest news and uh, tidbits that we have for you, Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk